welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Sean. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to Mother Gopi Gita and talking to her about her book, Leadership Parenting, Empower Your Child's Social Success. We talked about her book. We talked about education. We talked about how we all need to be seen and heard and feel like we matter. And we also talked about how you don't have to know everything about parenting. We're all learning. We're all growing. It's a fantastic educational episode that I know you're going to enjoy. And uh, before we get there, I want to let you know that uh, uh, Mother Gopi Gita coaches parents and educators internationally and has served children directly in the classroom for over 20 years. Her clients, grown children, lead teams. She practices bhakti yoga with family. And that's not even the half of it. She's an author, an educator, incredible person. So before I even get to that episode, that interview, this episode, the interview on this episode, I want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. And today's episode is brought to you by Self Unbound. Your quality of life physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy, ease, and connection your nervous system has to experience your life. At Self Unbound, your nervous system takes center stage as we help unbind your limited healing potential through network spinal care. Access the first steps to your Unbound journey by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.selfunbound.com. Now, without further ado, my interview with Mother Gopi Gita is coming up right after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm very excited. I think we're going to get into a fantastic conversation about learning, about education, about leadership parenting styles, lots of great, great topics here today. And I'm here with Mother Gopi Gita. Mother Gopi, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Thank you, Joe Shah. So excited to finally be connecting with you. Yes, we've been trying to do this for um, just a minute, is what I would say. Um, And finally, the stars aligned and we were able to get this taken care of. Uh, And I think it's an important conversation. So I would say this episode, uh, at this time of the year, folks are doing a lot of reflecting, I would say. People are in a very reflective mood, I I tend to find, especially speaking from my own perspective, um, and reflecting on perhaps uh, maybe what one appreciates from this past year, what one is looking forward to in the coming year, thinking about setting intentions, new goals, perhaps a new approach or perspective, whether it's to parenting uh, or to their own individual life. And so I think 
there's a lot of valuable lessons that we're going to go over in today's episode that folks are really going to appreciate. But before we get to that, I would say if people are brand new listeners to the Detox Podcast, uh, here at the show, I like to invite people to quote unquote detox uh, from the world around them and just sit back and listen to this episode for 45, 50, 60 minutes, however long it is, and get a window into how other people live their lives. So I like to always ask my guests at the beginning of the episode, uh, Mother Gopi, what, uh, what are you currently detoxing from? What am I detoxing from? I love how you brought in that point of reflection and, you know, the turnaround of the of the year moving into another a new spring. I'm currently detoxing from endings. Mm. Um, about two weeks ago, a very dear close friend of mine passed away and right in my arms. And so endings is definitely on my mind and new beginnings. And he left through like guided meditation. It was really important for him to uh, to transition into his next space through guided meditation. He was very clear on a spiritual space that he was going to, a spiritual destination. And so I want to say I'm detoxing from endings. That's so beautiful in the the story that you told. And I, I, I find, um, speaking of endings, uh, it, it's made me, I would say, very reflective in the sense that my uh, daughter, my oldest child, was born, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, <laughs> I would say. So this is a story that I haven't quite, I haven't told before, at least on air. So I'm excited. You know, it's just, it's just perfect, I would say, alignment uh, with what you were sharing. But um, so uh, for a while, my wife and I were taking care of her grandma as she was going through a late bout of cancer for a couple years in 2012 and then flared up again in 2014. And so uh, we had wonderful time uh, spending with her and and her husband, uh, my wife's grandpa. And what I found really really incredible is we were afforded the opportunity to spend all of that time and take care of them because we actually didn't have any kids at the time. It wasn't that we didn't necessarily want kids. It just hadn't worked out for one reason or another. And, and that afforded us the space to be able to take care of them. And then it was interesting in that as soon as the grandma passed away, very recently, like a month or two after that, we got pregnant with my daughter we enter wow. in this new phase of life. And so one ending and another beginning. Um, and I found similar patterns throughout my life where when an ending is, is coming on, having the space uh, to be able to take care of that, not understanding how necessarily myself or my family are able to take care of this particular person or individual or support. And then finding that when the ending occurs, pivoting immediately to see a brand new beginning, a new baby of some sort, a new uh, family member coming into our lives. I mean, it's it's very interesting to me and beautiful how the universe is balancing very much yeah. so the, the endings and the, and the beginnings. It's 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 very all part of it. So I love so I would say what I'm detoxing from in that space is is really just the um <laughs> how do I want to say this, the almost powering through of the day-to-day work and not giving myself time to reflect on how everything is flowing in a cyclical pattern in a lot of ways. So that's what I'm trying to work on, especially as we're in this this period of reflection. Wow, Joe, like so many things about what you said are so powerful for me. I really feel I'm a very deeply spiritual person and I feel like you just kind of guided me a little because 
your story of how one really, really deep love of, you know, your grandma, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, having to process the pain of separation, the missing and the ending of that, being then ushering in another extremely deep love of your daughter. Right. I'm excited now to look forward to the beginnings that are coming in for me in January as I'm processing the loss of my dear friend. And yeah. it is so true what you say. Endings do have beginnings and it's yeah. we have to be open to it all and embrace it at all and feel the pains and the joys as equally as we can. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing. I hope that after our talk, you also have some more stuff to reflect on. I know you're a prolific speaker. You know, this podcast is one of the top in Dallas, I've heard. And the work that you're doing, um, you know, just bringing awareness to so many topics as a dad is such powerful work. So I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, it's... um... You know, I want to get into. Let me, let me, let me start here. I would say. So, you recently this year uh, put a book out, Leadership Parenting, and I want to to start first, maybe a look back and say, uh, what what drew you to write put it, writing this book, or maybe even a step back, what drew you to the education space in general, and then how did that lead to the creation of this book? Sure, absolutely. So you're talking about um, reflections and ending and new year and the pandemic. When it began, it was so intense. I am an elementary school teacher and the vice principal of a private school in Dallas. And the differences we saw immediately from May to um, we were in we jumped into distance learning in March 2020 until May and then it, and I'm also a parent coach for an international society. And the challenges that the kids were being faced with in the summertime because of the lack of socialization, especially for the three to fives and the 12 to 15s, because there's like psychological periods of development that they go through from egocentrism to empathy. And it kind of happens again in adolescence and pre-adolescence. And then that whole year, 2020 to 2021 school year, There were so many challenges, Joe, and it was heartbreaking to see kids. It still is. We're still on the far end of that. A whole generation of children, you know, they call the the COVID babies, the kids who were raised with so much social distance, physical distance, emotional distance, communicating through screens. You know, the periods of zero to five and five to 10 each year is such a prominent period in one's psychological development that to have two full years where you're not with family members, you're not sitting close with others, and just to have a teacher say, oh, step back, step back, don't come too close. I mean, it's yeah. going to tweak the kids. And so we started seeing the effects of that mid 2020 towards the end of 2020 and that's when I really felt like okay I got to get this book out um, I've been writing this book for about 10 years it was on my back and finally a publisher um, accepted the proposal it was a pretty long process with the publisher but because it got accepted I was excited and my um, my mentor Dr. Angela Loria of the Difference Press she actually with her team helped me coined 
coined the term leadership parenting because whenever there's a dearth or a challenge or an issue, the other side of it, just like you said, the ending of your grandma turned into the beginning with your daughter. Mm -hmm. Like the challenge actually hides the key to some amazing successes and a challenge in social confidence and social um, dynamics can turn, can be reversed into leadership, which is the opposite. So that's that's a little bit of the background on the book. You know, I it's so interesting that we're talking about, I would say, <clears throat> talking about um, the psychological development of children in the pandemic, because there was I mean, so we're, we're so a peek behind the curtain for people. We're recording this on Tuesday, December 6, 2022. So I know it's not releasing on Tuesday, December 6, but I, I mentioned the date that we're recording in context of there was a article that was recently posted. I think it was yesterday, maybe a couple days ago. That's making the rounds talking about uh, a scientific study on teens brain development in the pandemic and how it grew exponentially. Uh, so for lack of a better word, you could say on this study, they recognized that teens grew up at a at a faster I want to say it was double rate than average strictly as a result of everything that you just said the needing for social distancing the not being around the no don't get too close the the inherent dangers that they were hearing about or maybe seen or being reinforced by different um, visuals around them and that that is so hard so I I, I am thrilled that we have this book out the that you released because of the fact that we can uh, as your point turn uh, some of those situations into leadership opportunities yeah definitely um i haven't seen that study i'd love to take a look at that um it's just eye-opening how quickly and especially when you see children when you're with kids every day day in and out day out and you see such a market difference in how they relate to each other how they relate to their teachers, how they relate to their families. And like there was a pendulum swinging type of situation that was happening with our early childhood classroom and the oldest um, in the school, the, the high schoolers, another more less aggressive, but more mental kind of like, oh my God, do they like me? Do they not like me? I love them. I hate them. I love them. I hate them. Like the ability to balance out that need, the need for connection was was so, so much stronger. And so that really caused, um, you know, a real fire in me to just figure this out, to, to find out the solution. How can I help parents? How can I help these children? And the book turned into an Amazon bestseller um, basically overnight, which was pretty exciting. That is exciting. And for... Uh... The for reference, the article, uh, it was a Stanford study, actually. So Stanford released a study uh, that came out a couple days ago that said the pandemic stress physically aged teens brains. Um, wow. And so, the brain, yeah, so it was just so that so I think that goes hand in hand with exactly what you were talking about, noticing and recognizing um, within within children. Um, I want to talk about. So as a parent, let me ask this question, I would say. There's a couple other questions I have uh, as it relates to the content in your book. But I, I want to ask, from a leadership standpoint, leadership parenting standpoint, how can... So I've got, let me put this in context, I've got a seven, almost eight-year-old, and then a uh, five, almost uh, five-and-a-half-year-old at this point. So second grade in kindergarten. Um, and then how can I best practice 
uh, I would say, the methodology of leadership parenting style in order to set them up for success. Um, say, say if my kids or someone else's kids are having trouble making friends or I'm, I'm uncertain, like perhaps I worry, like, are they getting bullied? I think a lot of, a lot of parents maybe worry that. So how can I approach sort of these different situations of, of conflict uh, or consternation on my end and come out of it leading um, uh, uh, with this particular parenting style? Yeah, I love that question. And oh my goodness, I love that you have a five and eight-year-old. I'm with five and eight-year-olds all day and I have been for 25 years. So that's like my like sweet spot. Perfect. Um, the kids, those kids are amazing. They just love to serve. They're so authentic. They're yes. so eager. They're learning so much about the world. How can you best apply leadership parenting? So leadership, the term leadership has so many definitions. There's so many different uh, ways to promote it, to communicate this thought of leadership. The best definition I heard at St. Mark's uh, private school when I had gone there for a, an open house. Um, and the head of the school said that leadership is when I work with a team and a group of people to hit common goals, not just my goals. And so leadership isn't the boss at the front of the stage telling everybody else what to do, though that might be an aspect of leadership. The leader or leadership is one who is so confident in their own space in the universe that they're able to see the needs of others and help promote the needs of others. So even if that means that they're the one cleaning up at the end, or end of the event, putting away the chairs and um, they're supporting the team, they're supporting the group and normalizing leadership is something that I would like to work with other thought leaders on with the next generation of children. If a child is struggling with social empowerment, if they're struggling with social confidence, if they're standing in a line and their friends keep cutting in front of them and going in front of them, if they're going into the classroom and they're getting bullied or they're getting made fun of, and then you expect that kind of child to, oh, care about the needs of others, show some empathy, show some collaborative schools, be a team leader, you haven't hit the core needs of your child first. Mm -hmm. So first, leadership requires that a child's core needs are met and after their core needs are met they can easily transition into assisting others and meeting others core needs so like a simple thing where you can't expect a child to say they're sorry if they haven't been understood yet the process of leadership parenting is an 11-step empowerment process and it starts off with um, bhakti bhakti is a philosophy coming from ancient india and bhakti has three core needs identified for a child the need of connection the need of free will and agency and the need of accomplishment mm -hmm. and the first need just like in maslow's hierarchy the lowest level tier is that relation connection it's the same in the self-determinism philosophy. It's the same in Eric Erickson's stages. Like first connect so deeply with your child through empathic communication, through what I call the here process, love boosts that give them that feeling that I matter. I am seen. I'm worthy in all of my actions. And I have a few pretty simple but and easy to use strategies that parents can apply basically immediately that helps their child become so firm 
in their identity, that then they're able to step into the next level and the next level until leadership comes out automatically. You just gave me goosebumps because it's something I would say that is so powerful that in our day-to-day existence, we we run the tendency of being unable to see the need that our child is communicating that they need from us. And we're so almost task oriented exclusively. Did you get a good or I'm going to be simplistic with this, but right. But did you get a good or a bad note in school? Why or why not? Did you get your homework done? Why or why not? Did you lose anything? Why or why not? Did you get into an argument or a fight? Why or why not? You know, or like disagreement, I would say, maybe not a fight, but all of these things. So we're just like, check, 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 check. And we're not taking the time and the space to connect and allow them to feel that they matter, that they're heard, that they're understood, which we all, I don't care how old you are, that's all that we want as humans, right? We want to feel heard, understood, cared for. You know, we just want to know that we matter. And so to, to not give that to our children is a detriment in so many ways. So I, I whoo, all right. This book is, 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 so I would say this book and this advice is super helpful, um, feedback for me as a parent and so many other people. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Wow. wow. Yeah. I'm so glad. I love it. Even every single time I speak about it, I'm just about to do a parenting workshop in Denton. We've been, you know, hitting different companies and doing parents night out for, for families. And every single time we're in the workshop setting and we've got 50 to 80 parents around us and we're doing these strategies, the one most powerful strategy, Joe, is just that. I see you and then putting an action to it, brought their groceries in without me asking. That shows me how responsible you are. Just a simple sentence like that makes your child feel seen. It gives them this label. Now they're labeling themselves by your eyes of, wow, yeah, I am responsible. And you know, you don't have, it's not false praise. We go in the book about like, we don't want to create egomaniacs. We don't need to. Just little moments, little sentences you can say that help your child feel worthy and feel that they matter. And the connection principle, we establish that connection need. We fill that connection need by two of the strategies in there. And I love that you said that we're so task oriented because we can get our children to do tasks. You know, five-year-olds and eight-year-olds, I know because I literally am in a room with five and eight-year-olds. I have been in a room with five and eight-year-olds every single day of my life for the past 24 years. And so they love to serve. They love to complete tasks. When I walk in with my backpack and my purse and my water bottle, it's like the kids are all, mother, go pizza, mother, go, what can I carry? What can I carry? What can I bring? What can I do? But because we haven't been connected with them, when we try to get them to do their chores, suddenly it becomes a negative thing. It's a it's a, a evaluating, like you're evaluating them, you're judging them, and all the excitement and desire to serve gets totally um, lost in those children. So by the time they're hitting 10 and 12, 
You've got, you know, teenagers who are completely uninterested in doing anything with mom or dad because the past six to seven years of their life, they haven't been seen. And I'm so privileged. I have two grown children. One is now 20, one is 18. And I also run um, an online school, uh, Bhakti Leadership Academy, where we're guiding and mentoring over 200 teenagers across the U.S. in leadership. And I also see that even if these principles are start are being applied a little later on in life, they become eager to serve. And their parents are sending me emails like, oh my God, how did you get my 14 year old Why we while we were on vacation in Florida to like cancel everything he was doing, go upstairs, log on to Zoom and run this, uh, this Zoom session you're, you're having? How are you motivating that child? And it all starts out with filling these three core needs. You know, I was reflecting the other day when uh, this is a vulnerable moment that I'm going to share for everyone here, as I would say. So for me, uh, the kitchen, I love to cook. So I cook uh, almost all of our meals. And so for me, the kitchen is is my, my safe space. It's my Zen area. It is where I take it's my first time of the day where while, yes, I am cooking for people, nobody is asking anything of me in that particular moment. So it's a space where I can clear my head, I can think, and it. I'm also busy with my hands, right? I'm doing something too. Um, and my, uh, my daughter asked to help uh, cook dinner, and I started to say yes, and then I kept saying, well, actually, it's this way. Well, actually, it's this way. And I said, you know what? Um, I'll, I'll do it. Let's, let's set up some time to, to cook later or next time. And she was understandably sad about that because she wanted to help. She wanted to do it with me and she wanted to be seen and to learn. And I was reflecting when I went and apologized later and, and set up some time for us to cook uh, and make something together. I was reflecting on why, why was that my reaction? And I realized that when I was reflecting back, wind the clock back when Joe was that age Joe wanted to help out and was told, no, no, you're getting in the way. No, no, don't do this. And so um, not getting upset at my parents was just more reflecting on that was what I was taught. And so I grew up into an adult and was mimicking a lot of the same behaviors. And so it takes intentionality to change some of these patterns so you can empower kids and keep encouraging that love of serving as you were talking about. Joe, that's such powerful, such a powerful reflection that you, um, you felt, you felt the feelings of your daughter. Mm. You have such a passion for cooking. It's like your Zen space is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also just getting goosebumps right now because I'm the same. <laughs> my son and my, both of my sons were in the kitchen with me from very, like I have videos that I, cause I'm also a coach, a parent coach. And so we have online courses and workshops and I have videos that I share with my clients of my three and a half year old on this, near the stove, pouring corn, frozen corn into the pot. And people freak out like, oh my God, what is this? Like, that's a hot stove. But I've you know, also been raised Montessori, Montessori training. Right. And to teach a child how to work alongside. Anyways, you were saying that you paused and you thought about, wait a minute, 
why was I not comfortable having her in the kitchen with me? And it brought you back to your own, like your own comfortable space. And basically our comfortable spaces are our childhoods. Mm. We're going to repeat what we were brought up with, even unintentionally. And I just love that you paused and reflected and thought about, um, huh, yeah, I wasn't, I love to cook. We all come intrinsically. The Bhakti philosophy teaches us we all come with our own psychophysical makeup and passions that we're very that are different than everyone else around us. And that remains the same whether you're one or you're 50. And so that desire you had to cook, to serve through cooking, cooking in the Bhakti philosophy, food is such a conscious effort. You're putting all of your love into food that will go into somebody else's body and in their cells and invigorate their cells with nutrition and nutrients and energy and having your daughter do that with you and learning how to do that with you so it's not stressful. And so that you're also able to process the reactivity of your own childhood. These are all some really powerful points that you're saying here. Thank you. It, uh, I, you know, it's, I think for all of us, we have the opportunity to continuously learn and break some cycles and, and create some new intentional patterns, um, both for our individual selves and then also for the next generation with our own kids and with other kids. And it is, uh, we, we could miss that opportunity if we don't allow time in the day to reflect, even for a few minutes. I, I've made it an intentional practice. It is not easy some nights. Some nights it is literally maybe five minutes. Often it is 15 to 30 um, where I take a moment to reflect on the day and set some intentions for the following day. Um, And when I started doing that, I used to think I didn't have time to do that, right? Nobody has, quote I'm using air quotes here uh, for those that are listening, but um, I didn't have time for this. And what I found is that I didn't have time, like I couldn't afford not to do it, is what I would say. And so by setting those intentions, it's allowed me to have that moment in the kitchen to be able to reflect. Otherwise, I would have powered through and not even been conscious of repeating the cycle that had been laid out for me. Um, And I think that, you know, kind of brings us to uh, the five misconceptions. So you talk about, and I want to spend some time on this. Um, in the book, you talk about five misconceptions. And one that resonated with me was specifically number five. I should already know how to parent perfectly. And <laughs> and and I want to say, again, not affording ourselves the time in the day to reflect and allow ourselves to have that space to make a mistake and learn and reflect and improve and and adjust moving forward is critical. It is so hard, especially when you're on Instagram and looking at everybody sharing the best parenting advice in the world in 30 seconds or less to think, wow, uh, I really screwed up today. I bet nobody else in the world knows what I'm going through. So can you walk us through maybe that specific misconception and then and then some of the others um, or just the idea of the five misconceptions that people need to keep in mind as their parents. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So right before I step into that fifth misconception, the, the misconceptions, I did want to share, you were just saying about taking time to reflect mm. actually ends up giving you time. Right. I've also found that in order for me to be productive, I have to slow down and step into ease. When I have slowed my stress level, when I meditate, when I reflect, and step into a mentality or a mindset of ease, my productivity, like it skyrockets. Because now the tasks become so much simpler because the stress has been taken out of it. And it kind of ties into what you were saying with your daughter in the kitchen with you. Um, I found, and so many leadership parents that are working with me are now finding, and it's so exciting to be able to say this, this book has been out for six months, and to hear the successes, that once they use, this is the third process in the book, the serve process, once they apply that with their children, whether it be in the kitchen, getting ready for school, uh, uh, preparing for guests coming over, doing household chores, doing homework, when they apply uh, apply that process, they find that their productivity increases because two people in the kitchen, one cutting vegetables and one stirring the pot, one straining the pasta and two is quicker and better and faster than one. And so being able to slow down and step into that reflective space, even while you're doing the task, seeing the task as a service, as a meditative event, that helps increase productivity. And so now we can, I just wanted to share that yeah. because I think how you had said that. And I thought that that it was a really cool visual for me of you and your daughter in the kitchen and the misconceptions, Joe, OMG. Oh my God. I, <laughs> you know, when you write a parent, a leadership parenting book, suddenly all the pressure is on you, right? Right. Like, Oh, you're a parent coach, so you must have all the answers. Oh, you must have not made any mistakes, but actually, I made all of the mistakes. I'm I was raised very Asian, <clears throat> tiger mama type of environment. My husband's Caucasian, and he actually really helped me get out of the reactivity, obedience, submission. Just have them do what I say into a more natural. I want to say gentle parenting type of. Mm -hmm. mood with my sons. And I remember, Joe, and I'm sure we all do, any parent who's listening, I will never forget when my kid was a month old and how little sleep I had, how much I didn't even know what I was doing. I had already had a child education degree. I was already teaching. I already thought of myself as a children expert we had Dr. Sears. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's um, a really famous parenting guru from the 2000s, from the turn of the century. We lived in Beach, California, and his clinic was like two miles away from our home. And we literally went to his clinic for all of our baby well checkups. And still, I felt like I was a failure at every step of the way. And there is no such thing as parenting perfectly. And there is no such there is no perfect philosophy or perfect tip or perfect trick because each child is an individual mm -hmm. and each parent's reaction to that child's behavior is individual according to your lived experiences in your own childhood and so parenting perfectly is a complete myth and I even I had tons of books you know not just how to expect when you expect I think I had about 22 books that I had bought for the the birth of my first child 
I was, you know, I was one of those nutty parents that wanted to do everything perfectly. And I was so lost that first year. And every year after you get challenges that you're like, holy cow, like how is the universe or God or the world expecting me to figure this out? Like, okay, I'm supposed to figure this out. So yeah, perfect parenting is a myth. And Joe, the love that a parent has for a child, the biological, hormonal, like um, intensity that comes, we feel it when our children are in pain, like, you know, if the baby falls or, or there's some disease or some sickness, suddenly you're like, oh my God, you can't even breathe because your children are, are suffering. And in the Bhakti philosophy, it is stated that the love of a parent is as close as it gets to the love of God or the love of the divine, to pure, unconditional love. And so because our identities are so tied with our children, when they're not doing our definition of well, when they don't seem to be um, connecting or accomplishing or when they're hurting and when they're in pain, it actually questions the core of our identity. It makes us feel so inadequate and unworthy. And that, that feeling is what um, is a misconception, that it is okay. It's okay to not have all the answers. It is not okay, it's expected that you're not gonna have all the answers. I so first of all, thank you for sharing that because that allows I think not only myself but then also others that are listening to uh, breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief and go, okay, we're all learning on the job. We are all learning together and we're improving and we are working towards a better way of being and it's okay. Nobody is parenting perfectly. I saw, I saw, like, um, I wish I could find that. I was trying to find the Instagram video that somebody shared, but it was a, it was, it was an image, uh, and I think this is a perfect metaphor for what we're talking about here. It was an image of somebody's beautifully shot Instagram photo of the final product, and it said, "This is what it looks like filming it," and it's like totally like trashed room, a very zoomed in photo, someone like sort of bent in all odd angles to like get, uh, get the, the perfect shot. Right. And it's like, that's it. That's what it is. That's what's going on in the background that we don't see because we just see the polished product. And so I think when we only focus on the polished product of whether it's meals, whether it's parenting advice, whether it's dressing your kids, whatever it is, right. And everything in between, we're, we're forgetting about the messiness that is going on in the background. Um, there was a, when I was starting to make lunches for my kids this year, I got overwhelmed by the sheer amount of creative ideas for doing lunches that it uh, was very um, slightly depressing. And I laughed and I wish I had say, started following this account because there was one Instagram account that was literally um, just some some dad taking a photo of the lunch he made each day of his kid. And it was not glamorous. It was not filtered. It was very, it was poor lighting and it was basic and it was wonderful because it was just like a log of lunches. Um, and I oh think that's, God. that's so authentic. Oh my God. I love that Joe. Yeah. Lunches are such a trip because you're so right. I felt inadequate in looking up, like Googling, what am I going to make for lunch for my children? Right. You feel inadequate, like, okay, who has time to cut all of those little bits and oh prepare, them, prepare them and prepackage them and freeze them? And, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it's like, okay, 
can I just like make like a sandwich every single day? Like, is that okay? And I, <laughs> I was wa- watching a show from the fifties. What was it? It was a. Uh, um, uh, the name is elusive, but anyways, literally they ate the same thing every single day. They didn't have to have like 5,000 different varieties of food. It's like evening time, you have bread and potatoes, you have mashed potatoes, you just eat it. And it's like, that's it. You don't need to have like, you know, you go in the grocery store right now just to get a nipple for a bottle mm. and you've got like, you know, 16 different varieties of yes. the types of, it's so confusing because yeah. it's so like it causes for the third, the third core need, what it causes in human beings is this incomplete, this feeling of not being complete, of being dissatisfied. And that need, prayojana, that need of completion and satisfaction and achievement is always elusive, where you constantly feel like you're not good enough. And it's a, it's a deep, it's, it's subconscious. It's an unconscious thing. When you have so much perfection around you, especially now we're entering AI space, the fantasy where you can like, you know, filter your face and your visual and your audio to be exactly what you want it to be. But then wait a minute, when I look in the mirror, I don't look like that. Uh, I guess I'm not good enough. You know, I want to, I'm going to bring us to a close here in a moment. Um, and ask you a final question, but I want to, ref- I want to respond to what you just shared because of the fact that the, the constant, the constant adjustment to show up the way that you as an individual, as one as an individual wants to show up as opposed to how we truly are in any given moment is so key. There's, um, I was, I happened to be at a work conference, uh, a couple months ago and, I was reflecting on this. I had attended this conference a couple of years in a row and it was all virtual and the content was really great. The speakers were fantastic. Um, most of the speakers were pre-recorded um, and it was very good and the takeaways were excellent and it was very polished. Mm. Cut to this year where there was a live fireside chat between two individuals. Actor Titus Burgess was one of them. And uh, for those who don't know, he is most famous for uh, his role as Titus Andromedus on uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. He came on stage and he was in conversation with this woman and they were talking about. um, Well, I'm honestly not sure what the content was supposed to be, because as soon as he came out, he just exhaled and looked around the room and spoke from his heart. And they they I mean, metaphorically threw out the window like what what they were going to talk about because they just spoke about how he was feeling in the, in the wake of a lot of um, negative news around the LGBTQ plus community and um, uh, other troubling things going on in the world. And also how that's not, it's unique and not unique. And it's, it was more about finding your community, learning together, um, leaning on each other and growing together and understanding when you as an individual need to take a step back and someone else can lean in and when you can lean in for someone else. And so it's that shared, it's the, we're not in it alone. We're in it together and we need to recognize it. And the way he shared and the way he provided advice and the real raw nature was more powerful to me. I mean, I, I have spoken about this every week, often multiple times a week because of how much of an impression it left on me. I'm not certain I would have gotten that in a virtual setting. I would have gotten something else that would have been good. It was probably already rehearsed and it would have been, let's do it again until we get it right type of a situation. 
um, as opposed to it was live. They were there in the room feeling the buzz of the crowd and the energy and speaking on what was top of mind at that particular moment. And I think we going back to all the way back to as we're thinking about kids coming into uh, coming into school spaces, coming into life and thinking about leading, uh, having that leadership parenting style and addressing the needs that we all have and especially our kids have, we need to be mindful that we don't have to already know everything perfectly. We are learning and growing. We can break the cycle. If we give ourselves a space to reflect and we practice leadership parenting, then we will be able to set our kids up for success. So I just wanted to bring bring all of that full circle for us. Yeah, that's such an amazing summary. And I love how you you felt when someone else is authentic, <clears throat> when someone else is being seen and opening mm. themselves up to be seen. Yes. It gives each of us the space to be seen and to, to be valued and to matter. And Joe, I... Our mission, I won't say mine because it's a group of us, our mission is to raise a generation of children, LGBTQ, whatever color, whatever race, whatever nationality, whatever gender, that they are seen, Hmm. that they matter, that they, when they have that real intense confidence in their heart that they matter, and it comes by simple words that are spoken by their the adults around them. Um, simple actions, simple, like not rejecting them, not blocking their communication. Slowing down, as you had said, taking those extra five minutes to show somebody how to do it. If you don't show your child how to do it, then going back and saying, hey, why? what was wrong there? Just little moments of, of uh, meditative thought when we if we have that type of generation coming up in 2025 2030 for me it's been a flash of a second that my children went from age two months to age 21 my son is going to be turning 21 it goes by so quickly i am the mother of men and women we are the parents of the next 20 30 50 years very clearly i'm able to see this And if all of us, all of us parents are able to really make our children matter, we will see a completely different world. Yes. A beautiful space of unity, productivity, connection, and empowerment will arise. And that's what our mission is to reach as many parents as possible and get get this message out. So I really appreciate your time here as well. And I loved how you just, yeah, summarized the whole thing. I, I thank you for sharing that. I think that perfectly encapsulates everything. I want to, um, what I would say, so before we uh, pivot to the last segment of the show, uh, I do want to ask you one final um, question. And that is, is there a specific mantra that you have for yourself that you would like to share with the listeners today? 
Yes, absolutely. So every single chapter in the book, every level in the course that we do has mantra affirmations that are sound vibrations. So it is described that the universe was made through sound and sound is the quickest way to connect to someone's heart mm -hmm. from the ear to the heart. And that's why hearing is such an important skill. And the word Krishna, Krish, it has also roots in the word Christ. Krish is a Latin and a Sanskrit word that means to draw or to attract, like a magnetic pull. And the principle of connection, it happens much quicker with this sound vibration, Krishna. So the mantra that we share in the book is Hare Krishna. That's the short version of it. There's a longer version of it. If you want, I can sing it. Um, but it's a beautiful, powerful word that gets one focused on connection and expedites the connection between a parent and a child. I love that so much. And I could, <laughs> I'm chuckling because you talk about uh, universe was made through sound. So it is the um, fastest way. I think I'm paraphrasing a bit. The fastest way to connect with someone is through sound. And so um uh, long-term, long-time listeners of the show know I do a music podcast and I talk about how music is a universal language and we can connect and, and it, it takes us back to a memory. It connects us uh, spiritually. Um, it has shown to uh, folks that have Alzheimer's or dementia, if they play a song that, that, that is um, a core memory, they come right back to that memory and they remember people and places and things. And that is the power. And so when, and so when we talk about the sound, um, there's so much power. There's so much power there. I love that. Um, thank you for sharing. This has been, I, this, this time has flown by and I look forward to having you back on the show in the future so we can do this again and talk more and more. Uh, it would be my pleasure for sure. Be, I'm like suddenly feeling and envisioning this space where we're cooking together oh. and we're doing music together. <laughs> yes, that would be fantastic. I love it. We're music together. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. All right. Um, so let's pivot to the last segment of the show really quickly before we wrap. So I would say uh, uh, this is a segment I like to call things to check out. It's a part of the show where I provide a recommendation to the listeners of something to read, watch, and or listen to. And I invite my guests to do the same. Uh, so I will go first. So Beyond uh, Leadership Parenting um, by... Uh, Mother Gopi Gita. I would say uh, if you've not already purchased the book, I don't know what you're doing. Go ahead and purchase that book. So that's your number one thing to check out. Um, Leadership Parenting, Empower Your Child's Social Success. So um, beyond that, uh, a couple of things that I'm focused on. I've brought this up uh, a ton, uh, but I would say it pairs very well with our conversation today. I'm a huge fan of Priya Parker and the book, The Art of Gathering. It is one of my absolute favorites. It's about setting intentions and goals when gathering together for a purpose or a space. And what's interesting to me is um, I have a good friend that also, uh, it's one of her favorite books as well. And we both value it so highly and we both often quote it and we both often quote different aspects of it. So, um, and I think we quote what's important to us. And I'll give an example. So she quotes the fact where Priya talks about, make sure that you have clear goals and intentions for why you're gathering in the first place. So everybody's aware, everybody is clear and everybody can come in, um, 
very, uh, very intentional to create a wonderful uh, space and time and that people get out of it. People aren't just meeting to meet. Um, and I think that's because she is overwhelmed in a day to day with a lot of meetings and a lot of um, people just meeting to meet and not clear intentions. Um, what I always quote from the book is that Priya Parker mentions um, whenever we meet, we as humans don't hold enough space for a recognition that in this particular time and place, we are the only version of ourselves we will ever be. And there's such power in that. Um, Mm. And so I try and take a moment and that's why I, uh, before we even started recording, I thank you for recording for the time today uh, because it is so powerful. It is, we will only be this version of ourselves this point in time. The next time we meet, we will have had different experiences, different conversations, which will have shifted us a little bit here and there and will be a new version of ourselves. And so I bring that up because I think often about how I've adjusted throughout my life in different stages and different chapters. Um, And so it gives me a bit of a moment to reflect on where I am in this particular moment for this particular conversation. Um, so that's that's the thing to check out from a book. Uh, from a podcast, I would say, uh, so one, it, it's funny you brought up what to expect when you're expecting. Heidi Murkoff has been on the show before, actually, to talk about the book. And so for those that haven't listened to Heidi's episode, it's really sweet. It's a fantastic episode. She's wonderful. Um, so you can check that out. But the podcast recommendation, I just started listening to this podcast called In Plain Sight, Lady Bird Johnson. And ABC mm-hmm. News did the podcast earlier this year, or maybe it was last year. And they discovered in the archives that Lady Bird Johnson did a audio diary instead of writing down. And she recorded her reflections on things of the day. It starts actually in the wake of JFK's assassination and her reflections on the day. And then she also interviews um, uh, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, the pre- President Lyndon B. Johnson as well throughout the course of uh, her, her diary and her tapes. And that it's fascinating to get into the mind of somebody who is so... Uh, integral to a presidency that wasn't covered a lot. Um, it wasn't covered how influential she was in Lyndon B. Johnson's presidency, and to hear her moments of reflection uh, throughout some of these significant event significant events has been really powerful for me listening. Um, and then watching, I would say uh, you brought up that kids are uh, so passionate about serving and they can do it at any age. There's a there's a show. It's currently on Netflix. It's called Old Enough. It's about uh, these like two year olds uh, in Japan who are given tasks to do and they go out and like buy groceries and then come back. And it's it's just what. Yeah, they're two years old and they're well. just, just like sent out and, and they like go to the store and get bread and milk yeah. or whatever. And they come back. And it's just, it's just wild. So that's a, that's a, that's a show. And then a movie I actually just watched, uh, it's Vengeance. Uh, BJ Novak wrote, directed, and star in it, stars in it, uh, he stars alongside Ashton Kutcher. And it's about this New York City writer who is trying to solve a, a, a murder of a girl he met once um, in Texas. And me being from Texas and especially growing up in West Texas. Well, I, I would say grew up visiting West Texas. I grew up here in the Dallas area, but growing up visiting West Texas, um, it holds a special place in my heart. And I feel they, he accurately captures the spirit of Texas. Um, and it's less, a it's less a movie about, um, solving a crime and it's more a, a commentary on, I would say the margins of our country, um, and how people, view life and perspective and also going back to our conversation want to be seen want to be heard 
and want to know that they matter. So those are my recommendations for things to check out. Nice. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. I'm definitely checking out that old enough one. <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. I loved what you were saying about setting intentions and what Priya Parker has said there. It's such powerful things. Joe, you said that this version of ourselves is not going to come again. I wanted to thank you because through this connection with you, this hour, I heard from you. I learned from you um, that an ending, you had experiences of endings being beginnings. And I know that, you know, theoretically, but hearing that from you in this moment, as we're working on a podcast, it's going to be, you know, December, January, kind of straddling both endings and beginnings of this year, right. um, that a beginning is coming. And I'm ex so excited to have you be the person that reminded me of that, because I've been looking forward to talking to you for quite a while. So thank you. I appreciate it. Do you have a, a recommendation for the listeners to check out? Yes, my favorite book right now is Relentless um, uh, by, oh goodness, I can't believe I forget the author's name, but he, Tim Grover, Relentless by Tim Grover. And another one I love is The War of Art, not The Art of War, but The War of Art. Those are two that are on my shelf. And the last book that's really powerful is The Journey Home by Radhanath Swami who's a, a pretty famous um, guru and teacher in the world. So Perfect. those are my recommendations. I love it. Well, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what is the best way for them to do that? Yes, I'm on Instagram, leadership, parenting, one word, two words put together with no spaces. And my website is gopigita.com where upcoming workshops are showcased and you can download the book there for free. You can also buy the book there or buy it on Amazon. Perfect. Thank you so much, uh, Mother Absolutely. Gopi Gita, for coming on the show today. This has been incredible. And I can't wait for people to listen to it and to learn and to share their own learnings. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. Awesome. And Joe, if there are any of you parents that are listening out there, any of you are feeling that like, the challenge of social conflict, of defiance in your home, of like trauma, just contact me, get on a call with me. I've got simple, easy strategies to set you up for success really quickly. It's been life-changing for the people I'm working with. That's, so thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. Um, so listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.